You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Yeah, we'll see if she gets here. <laughs> She's on her way. She claims. Jeremy claims. And she didn't she claim. should be here. Uh, it is episode 349. Um, that's, um, I don't know if 349 is a prime number or not. I don't know, but it's our first February episode. Yeah, which true. Which really threw Jeremy for a loop because we're recording in <laughs> January. And he's like, Wait why aren't we doing our adventure on the last day? Wait a minute. It is prime. 349 is a prime number. So this is a prime, prime episode. episode. There you I, go. I should start. Tagging prime episodes yeah. just because I'm, doing it, I'm writing it down. Yeah, so, so he was yeah. like, Bree, what the heck? Why aren't we doing our adventure? And I was like, because. We talked about that last week even. I don't think we did it on the air. I think we no. did it in the car on the it way to It was on the hill. way to our other adventure. Yeah, but, but yeah. we also, yeah, that was an adventure. That was just an interview. Well, it was an adventure too, but it won't be an adventure. <laughs> um, you guys will hear that. It was that a little bit of both. In a couple of weeks probably. Yeah, actually. it's probably. It does that couple, every time. Couple three weeks. Every time our last episodes ends, it, it, it throws on. me off too. Like I have to like check every time. I'm like, wait, oh yeah, I did. That only right. happens oh. like twice a year, maybe three times a year. So anyway, yeah, usually it's fine. Um, yeah, good times in this freezing cold state of ours. <laughs> it's fucking it's so cold. cold. It was three degrees when we went on our walk this morning. I think it. The high didn't even get to half of freezing today. Might have been 18, I think, was the high. It was 16 last time I looked when you got here, I think. <laughs> well, I was telling these guys before we got on the air, um, there was a spot in Utah on Monday that was negative 63 degrees. What that was it called again? Peter Some... Sinks. Peter so, Sinks. Peter Sinks is um, a massive sinkhole um, in the top of the mountains above Bear Lake, um, just southwest of Bear Lake a little bit. Um, it's at like 8,500 feet in elevation, uh, and it's a pretty massive sinkhole, and so it creates a depression, um, and it creates a, a environment, gully. yeah, where cold air comes in and doesn't leave. And as we remember, cold air falls, hot air rises. Yep, and it just gets colder and colder and colder. It was negative 63 degrees. That's fucking insane. And I promise, if I ever get around to completing a blog, I'll, uh, link, I'll link <laughs> that area. That. Yeah, that is so cold. Oh, um, I didn't put this on here, but I just remembered my mom had surgery last week. <laughs> oh, how'd that go? Um, <laughs> okay, that kind yes. of says it all. <laughs> well, she doesn't have cancer, we don't think. So she came in on Thursday, and she had kind of a late scheduled She told start. me her surgery was scheduled at 930 so that she, you know, she could travel in in the morning. That is not when it was scheduled. It was scheduled at eleven. Her pre-op stuff was scheduled at nine thirty. But she said her surgery. So they don't, they don't get it. Like people don't get it. But I'm like all day waiting for a response. So finally, I texted, and still no response. And eventually, she finally sends me a message. Well, eventually, back. Chris went gaming like he normally does. Yeah, because it's like getting late, and I get a message from my mom at like, shut up, computer. My printer doesn't need attention. It's fine. <laughs> um, and eventually, uh, she texts me back at like 6.30, and she's like, hey, um, I just got to my room. Apparently, it took me a while in recovery. Um, this is the room number I'm in. Um, you know. Can you bring me food? 
And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, she didn't ask for food right away. I'm like, oh, okay. Visiting hours at St. Mark's end at 7, by the way. She's texting me at 6.30. She's in her room. And so I'm like, oh, wow. And in my brain, I'm going, if she went in for surgery at 9.30, like, what the fuck happened that she was in recovery? That's a long time. Turns out she was not in recovery that long. Her surgery was scheduled for 11. They didn't get her in until like like 1.30, I think they said. She was only in recovery for an hour and a half. Okay, so that's pretty standard. Yeah, especially she's like an older lady. She's an older lady that seems like she's twenty years older than she actually is. (laughs) Uh, She had uh, a full hysterectomy, and they got in there, and there was no cancer, but they found a massive infection. It had like it's so old it encapsulated itself. She's like, I have no. The doctor said I have no idea how long it's been there, but I cleaned it all out. So that probably that was was, what they think were all the symptoms. They still sent. I mean, they're they're still checking it, but they don't suspect. But she doesn't think it's cancer anymore, which is interesting. Well, that is that is good. I mean, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't take her dinner. So the next morning we we went up there and took her some donuts. Yep, from Donuts and Deli. And man, I gotta tell you. The word's out finally. I think taking like number two multiple years in a row on City Weekly's best of and, and me, really, it's because of my, <laughs> you know, my apostatizing or our, whatever apostle. Our seven listeners have finally gotten it. Um, but that place is great and the donuts are still great and people need to learn how to fucking get inside of a building because it's not big. If you've ever been there, it's like maybe it's an old, um, Winchell's. It's maybe 10 feet from the door. To the glass case. They have a couple of tables for people to sit at, but I've never seen anyone eat there. Only wait as they're waiting for for donuts. Well, you're not usually there at lunch, though. I'm also not. There's no one there at lunch. People don't eat lunch there, I'm telling you. But they go get sandwiches. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people do. I think mostly it's just for donuts. But anyway... The people that are there, like, they're trying to be courteous, I get it, but, like, the lady, every time when she goes to take an order, goes to the far left side, or right side on her side, whatever, she goes to the far end of the counter and says, "Who? okay, can I help you? And then the person that's by the door, like, walks all the way the fuck across, just go fucking make the line over there, snake it, because when I get there, my back's up against the door, there's four people in front of me. None of them move forward. They just stand there at the door. And it, it's not until I until I get to like the front of the line where I finally just move like way behind the guy that was in front of me and the whole line like snakes in because by this point there's like eight more people waiting behind me. And they were like standing outside and there's all these little kids and they were like, oh, I want this one. I want this one. <laughs> Their donuts are so good. I, it is the best donut shop. But anyway, so we took my mom food. We took her dinner that night That's as well. That's how we learned about actually what had happened. And then we took, and then she ended up, she wanted to go home. But all the roads were The roads were closed, closed and she wasn't still feeling great. So they kept her one more night. But it was, it really, it was Saturday that was the trick. Yeah. And so the roads finally open and like I spent, I don't know, hours and hours trying to track down prescriptions for my mom because they sent them to the hospital pharmacy, which is closed on Saturdays. So they resent them to the pharmacy up here. Because even though there is a pharmacy like, a mile away from not St. even Mark's, a mile away, like down the street, they like, couldn't they couldn't be bothered to. It's not that they couldn't be bothered. It's that her old husband, Steve, is incapable of like figuring things out at this age. So, so anyway, she's still married. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's been married to this guy. The thing for a is, while. is, Cassie's birthday was Sunday. She was gonna, she had plans with her friends. And so we were going to lunch. Chris was making her a cake and his mom's calling him in the middle of all of this training. Like, hey, can you get my meds? Can you bring them to me? Are you guys going to come down? I'm like, 
I guess. Like, what's the deal? Like, are you guys going to come stay was, with us? They're like, no, the roads are open. Because there was a, a moment there where she was going to come stay with us. So they're waiting on me to bring their meds before they leave the hospital. Well, Instead first, of fucking driving their ass over here and getting out of the hospital like an hour and a half earlier, they fucking stayed at the hospital. So then I get there and like, my mom's like, all right, let's go. And she like starts to walk out. I'm like, mom, you can't just leave. Like they're going to want to put you in a wheelchair. She's uh-huh. like, yeah, they're not going to take them forever to get here. I've already pressed the call button. And so like <laughs> I was going to show Steve how to get to his car and go to the front to pick her up. And like he just takes off. And like I'm like, all right, well, I'll walk my mom because I don't want her to fucking fall because she would. F- she's falling in my yeah. house because she doesn't know how to walk anymore. She's not capable. So anyway. Long story short, I beat Steve to the cars by a lot. I don't even know where the fuck he went. <laughs> they, ended up, they ended up getting a wheelchair. I'm so pretty sure good. he walked all the way to the main hospital from the women's pavilion <laughs> and then cut back to go to the parking lot behind the women's so pavilion. So the, 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 the big thing behind this, if you haven't been to St. Mark's, is the front is now the back. Yeah, they swapped the main entrance um, and everything. And so the, the door's in the back, but the women's yeah. pavilion entrance is still in the front. But he was parked in the back for the main hospital. Main, I say main, main hospital entrance. But when they originally arrived on Thursday, they arrived by Smops, which is clear down on the east end. Anyway. No they, one knows what that sorry, is. Sorry. Uh, St. Mark's Outpatient Surgical Center. So they were all out. Like they were. I'm, he was very discombobulated. I'm but he doesn't say. wait for me to like right. direct him. He because just left. You could see their car from the window, which <laughs> happened to be parked in the same lot as ours. So we knew exactly so then where he was parked. My mom's like insistent, gets up and like starts walking out, like hobbling her weird ass out. And like she gets to the nurse's desk and she's like, do one of you guys want to give me a lift? <laughs> and so one of them puts her in a chair and, and wheels her down. Um, so we just. I don't know. It was a whole thing. My but mom's then they had to crazy. wait. So then Chris was like, well, maybe he's at his car. So he was like, goes to the car and then he's like, well, maybe I'll drive around, try and find him and show him where he needs to go. Anyway, this whole time we had gone to lunch and then we stopped to pick up the meds and then Chris was going to run the meds up. All the meds weren't ready. So he, we came back. He started the frosting. I, I finished the frosting. We frosted the cake and stuff while he was gone and then waited until he came back. So in the middle of Cassie's quote unquote birthday party, Chris had to stop, go get his mom's meds, drive them all the way up to St. Mark's, stand there, wait for the... It was my third time at the pharmacy, though. That's, yes. that's the part that sucks. I'd been at the pharmacy three different times and called them. And <laughs> So the first time he went, he went because they told him they were ready, like, but only ready, half of them were ready. But only two of the five were ready. And then she's like, well, I have to wait on the time safe for some because they're narcotics. I'm like, yeah, she just got out of surgery. That makes sense. And she's like... So I'm like, well, when are you guys going to get into the safe so I know when I can come back and get these? They're trying to get out of here. They live in Wyoming, and they're trying to get back home, and they're waiting on this. And she's like, well, and then we go to lunch. I'm like, I know. So like two? You guys are going to be back, and you'll have them at two? And she's like, yeah, well, we'll have them all done at two. So I go at two. No, we still don't have them. It's going to be like another 15, 20 minutes. Fuck, really, guys? (sighs) Anyway, it doesn't matter. Then they left. The roads Steve, were still closed. Steve but... didn't find my mom until after I was back at the house. At least I didn't get a notification. <laughs> so that... she's just sitting there in the front waiting. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Parents are stupid. Old parents are stupid, especially ones that are like twenty years younger than their body looks. So, well, I just, I don't know. I even think that my mom might have been a little bit more capable than that for some reason. Your mom is more capable. That's what I'm saying. My mom acts 20 years older than she is. 
My mom is only 61. My mom's 75. My mom walks like she's over 80. She can barely walk. It's... <laughs> she's not got 10 years left in her. She'll die before she's 70. That's too bad. Wow. Julia made it. I did. Your mom will live past that, though. She'll fucking live forever. My mom has already lived past Not 70. your mom. Julia's oh, mom. Oh, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> I'm like, my mom's already lived past 70. What are you um, talking about? Yeah, it's. but I did want to say, it is so cold outside. We store our sodas outside in the winter. We don't bring them in at all. Them in the garage <laughs> or out on the back patio? In the garage. No, in the garage. Yeah. Um, they're shelves. Yeah, yeah that's, we've got shelves. They're that's freezing. Where we keep them. Yeah, they're frozen or freezing. Like, I opened one today, and I'm like, what? This is like slush. That's awesome. Slushy. It was kind of nice to have, like, a slushy. Like a, yeah, we don't have hardly any sodas in the fridge. So, yeah. Because we just keep them in the garage on the shelves because they stay plenty yeah. cold. I mean, I don't drink a ton of soda, but I'll have like a Fresca or, or a Diet Dr. Pepper or Diet Lemonade or something. I don't drink any, so I had no idea. You have buys out there. They're probably They're frozen. They're not soda. They're probably frozen, <laughs> no. I woke up to my heater not working in the apartment in the 50s. Mm. Oh, my hell. So we had to put in a work order, and they're like, yeah, the sensor doesn't work. This is like the fourth time they've replaced our thermostat. Yeah, I was say, yeah, they just replaced just it. A- yeah, the, twice. The problem is if your apartment's in the 50s, um, well, one, that's really bad for you guys. It sucks. Yep. But two, that's when your pipes start running a hat, like a very, very likely hazard of freezing. And the way these mm-hmm. temperatures have been, I promise people are going to have burst pipes. As soon as it warms up, those pipes are going to go. I know. I'm speaking from experience. Yep. <clears throat> well, because it gets cold and right now is when the ice builds up. And then as soon nope. as it starts to thaw, psh- Yep. So the ice builds up and cracks the pipe or whatever. And, and as soon as it I literally thaws. experienced that in my water bottle in my car. <laughs> yeah, don't keep I'm shit like in driving your car. to work and I'm like, this is going to start melting all over my car. Yeah, don't keep <laughs> shit like that in your car, especially if it's outside. It's very cold outside and it's not going to get above freezing for a couple more days. Brighton's car so. died. It was so cold. It died in the middle of Tooele. Uh, and his uh, his battery jump starter also died because it was so cold. So cold. Uh, yeah, that's, I these are the days when I am so grateful that we park our cars in the garage because I actually had to leave the house today. So yeah, uh, it's cold. You got a collection update for so us? Working on my collection. So I it was I don't know two three weeks ago. I talked about the collection that I gotten just over the years from growing up. So I've got it pretty much categorized and cataloged now. I have. 2,621 cards. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Mm. Eh, for, 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 not, for a collection that you never intended on. That was given to me yes. mostly as a kid. That is a fair amount. I've got it's like six binders, something like that. Anyway, um, it's estimated uh, almost $11,000. Wow. Nice. Because the majority of these cards are from the late 70s, early 80s, and into the 90s. So they're just old. But uh, it's been kind of fun to go through and, and categorize them. But I've got some of the ones that are, are kind of cool. Is I've got the, I, I might have talked about this, but the one-year Carl Malone played on the Lakers. Yeah, you have that card. I've got that one. I've got, um, uh, let's see. So the late 90s. New York one, um, so I've got a fair amount of the the New York team that that won in the late nineties. So like Derek Jeter, handful of those. Yeah. That the kind of the cool thing is I never like I've never sought out any of these and I've never like collected specific cards or anything. So it's been kind of cool. So as I'm doing my app, 
you scan it, it does a little ding if it recognizes it, a little like yeah. honk if it doesn't. And then if it's worth something, it gives the little cash cha-ching. So some of these I'm going through and it's like cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. I'm like, cool. So the most valuable one is a baseball one and a player I don't recognize, but it's worth, according to my app, over $800. What? You don't know the name? I'll have to look at it. It's a late 70s, early 80s baseball player. And its value on my app says it's like 830. Wow. And then I've got a, a manager from same thing, late 70s, early 80s. Um, Red Sox, I think. Same thing. I really don't know. But People care about the manager? He's, oh, yeah. Well, because the card is unique. That one's in the 700s. Uh, yeah. So anyway, kind of cool. It's been, it's been kind of cool to, to, to check them out. I've always known they're worth something, but I've never really had any idea. So now that I actually have the app, and I guess the cool thing with the app is now that they're in there, as those numbers change, so if it sells for more or less than what I've got it scanned in at, it'll update the app and it'll change those numbers. Oh, that's so. nice. That's nice. Anyway, kind of a cool little update there. So yeah, my little car collection. You can sell them on, you know, make the chickens a mansion. <laughs> So, Julia, do you have some events coming up since you're here now? Oh, yeah. I got lots of events coming up. So, we're going to go over the February events for utahcrystals.com. So. It's the only reason Julia's on the podcast. <laughs> That's it. Just to <laughs> advertise that. shop and her stuff. I started my business after I joined the podcast. Might as well if I had yeah. anything. Yeah. I'd try to pimp you. but If I, if I had anything to. Well, yeah. Yeah. All right, so this is all of February. On the 5th, we have a full moon ritual at my shop. It is free, 9 p.m. On the 8th, we have Witchy Wednesday. Are you guys making werewolves during the full moon ritual? No. I'm not going. Making werewolves? I don't even know how that works. I'm not going, then. Okay, we don't want you, though. Don't you have to get bitten by another werewolf? Is that how that works? Yeah, it's a full moon ceremony. I would think that they would have a werewolf there to turn other people into were-things, some kind of lichen. Unfortunately, we don't have a shop werewolf. Were-things? Lycanthrope. Yeah, a lycanthrope. Were-things? Well, you're trying to be PR there, PC. I I don't want to call them were-men or were-women or were-wolves, because maybe they're were-bears or were-porcupines. Were-bears? Is it lycanthrope? Lycanthropes, Lycanthrope, yeah. They could be like... A a were, they could be like a were possum. It's like the wee bear bears, except yeah. it's the were were bears. <laughs> Sorry, <Julia. laughs> All right. Is our episode anyway, going to be were bears? Everyone's so, uh, excited. Julia, now. what else is happening? <laughs> On the 8th, Witchy Wednesday, 6 to 9 p.m., we are making candles. On the 12th, it is mocktails and love spells at Cocktail Collective, $25 a person. Um, on the 13th, we're doing a self love ritual. At my shop. On the 20th is, that... is a new moon ritual at my shop. Never mind. The 22nd <laughs> so... is another Witchy Wednesday. We're doing spell jars and witch balls. <laughs> I, I can hear the jokes coming from Chris already. <laughs> and then on the 26th is the Utah Pagan Market from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Speaking of pagans, Julia, we were talking about this earlier. We might have the pagan church thing on. I know. At the I gave them. I gave them cards. I think I've got uh, them scheduled. Witch balls. I'm like, <laughs> They're little ornaments. No, it's the self love. Self love. The self love day has just got me in tears. Not, not the, not the witch balls. Because I immediately thought circle jerk. <laughs> I don't know why. All right. 
That's not really self love. That is not. If you come to the self love ritual, use that's, the code word circle jerk. We'll give you ten percent off whatever you want at the store. Are you gonna tell me who the fuck gives you that code word? We had someone come in the last ritual. Yeah, but to come in and say circle jerk. circle jerk, circle jerk, ten percent off. What if they say lycanthrope? Lycanthrope. No. Circle jerk. Lycanthrope wow. isn't as fun. That, or, she's not giving any more discounts. Lycanthrope. That's why. That's why she's not. She's okay with circle jerk because she knows no one's going to come tell her circle jerk. <laughs> no, just in general, if you mention you came from the podcast, you get ten percent off. If you say circle jerk, you get you, an you extra, get twenty percent off if you do circle jerk. <laughs> and then Julia is going to charge me for that, probably. I wouldn't say if Chris you will do pay the difference. Jerk. I didn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say if you do circle jerk. I would just be very be I wouldn't very say specific <laughs> about <laughs> saying circle jerk. Uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of shit going on with Julia. Uh, and then there's a couple of stories locally here. Um, we do this one pretty much every year, so we're going to yeah. talk briefly about the best-selling liquor. And I'm going to guess, without looking at the list, because I haven't looked at it yet. I've looked at it. But vodka, probably Barton's is up there. Pints are always at the top. Uh, Barton's, um, Fireball seems like it may have fallen Fireball. out of favor. So Fireball is getting sued for something. Yeah. So their numbers, but yeah, Fireball is it being disgusting? Is that why they're being sued? Uh, they're being sued for one of the additives that they've added yeah. into the whiskey. Um, it's, yeah, it's not good. And I've noticed that Fireball, like just in general, the sales of Fireball seem to be less. In my local liquor store, when I go in, there's not pallets of it anymore. <laughs> Tito's seems to be a very popular vodka, but Barton's is always perennially at the top. Uh, whiskey. Um, the problem with whiskey is it's so spread out that I think having one single whiskey is tough. It's tough, and they rotate, so they'll they'll be they'll have a whiskey that you think's doing great, and then it's just not there anymore. So, yeah, whiskey's kind of hard with the ABC to know what exactly it is that they're doing because it changes they do also have their beer on there and their wine oh that's i forget about those i don't know what'll be the top there usually it's like steel reserve for the beers like the high point malt liquors um well i've read them and i'm actually very pleased with the beer so i'll let you pull right. that open and then so just... top selling spirits oh i was right tito's vodka the big grip the slightly less big grip well i guess the and then the fifth uh and then uh, Barton Vodka is below. <laughs> the, the three different sizes of Tito's are first, then Barton, then Patron Silver. That's surprising. Just shy of wow. $3 million in sales. Uh, Which is weird because that's a, that's a higher class. Uh, it's because it's more expensive. So they probably sold less of it, but because true. it's higher a dollar. True. That's uh, then true. Crown Royal, which is disgusting Canadian whiskey. Then Jack Daniels Black, which is my go-to. Well, actually, Gentleman's no, Jack gentleman's is these is. days. Um, but I do love me a good Jack Daniels. Then you've got uh, Casamigos Blanco Tequila, uh, Crown Royal Regal Apple, which that is not good. I do not know what people like that for. And then Schmirnoff. So out of the top ten, one, two, three, Schmirnoff. four. Five are vodkas out of the top vodka ten. doesn't taste like anything. That is not true. Um, now, that's by dollars. Did they do a list by quantity? Um, they did, but this one is, is just yeah, by Yeah, this story just has the dollar value. So the quantity, it was the Grey gray Goose. Oh, Grey Goose, really? Quantity Grey Goose was like... Like way above everything wow. for quantity. So top smell selling beers. Oh, Hop Rising. I know. I was surprised. Uh, I was Hop excited Rising to is see the that. top dollar. Then Natty Daddy. 
So gross. <laughs> <laughs> then Red Rocks Elefino. That's impressive. They're yeah. number three. Uh, then Hop Rising Tropical. Uh, UNS Detour Double IPA. Laguntas. Uh, Lil Something Something. Melvin. Then Bud Light Platinum. Then Melvin Double. And then Ice House. <laughs> I, I was happy, though, because... I remember we did this a few years ago, and it was like Bud Light, it was Natty Light, Reserve. Coors, like, I was way off, yeah, and like nothing local. Now there's more local than there yeah, is. Yeah, there's national. only a couple non-local. So I, I was great. actually really happy to see that one. Um, the top selling wines: Vavu Clichot Brut Yellow. I don't know. Is that uh, just Brut? No, it's a the Brut is a type of of oh, it's champagne. not Brut. Brand. Wow. It's gotcha. a, it's an expensive champagne, I think. Uh, and then you've got Lamarca Prosecco, um, um, Maomi Pinot Noir, Stella Rosa Black, which I see a lot of Stella Rosa getting sold. Um, then you have a Zonin Prosecco, and then Black Box Chardonnay, Boda Box Pinot Grige, Black Box Cabernet. I will say this: if you're going to buy a box wine, Black Box is the way to go. That stuff is actually really good. Uh, then you have um, Cook's Brute Sparkling Wine right rounding out those 10. <laughs> um, and then the top-selling Utah liquors, Dented Brick Vodka uh, huh. is number one. Uh, and they include the beers in here as well. So then you have Squatter's Hop Rising, then Five Wives Vodka, then Red Rocks Alafino, Squatter's Hop Rising Tropical, then Five Wives Vodka in a bigger size, uh, Beehive Jackrabbit Gin, Desolations Moscow Mule Can. That kind of surprises me that I West wasn't on there. Um, I don't know if they're counting them as Utah anymore. Not true. Because they got bought not. by a giant national or international conglomerate. Uh, UNA Detour Double IPA and Dinted Brick. And I'm not surprised because they're very pricey. And I don't think a lot of people buy their stuff. I think the cheapest bottle of High West oh, that you can get now is probably in the fifties or sixty dollar range, possibly. Which is not when you consider a bottle of Jack's twenty five bucks. Most people aren't. Well, and you can get a gentleman's for usually thirty. Yeah, I can get gentleman's for cheaper. And there's a lot of good stuff, and there's such a big selection. I'm not surprised. You know, High West doesn't have a good good amount of shelf space. Um, and they're higher end, and so they certainly don't get sold as frequently. Like I'm not. You know, I, High West isn't my go-to liquor. I like High West, but not not enough to pay that extra cost, personally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. All right. Joining us this week is uh, Audrey Christensen uh, of the Yart, Yart Cell Market. I was trying to put too much spacing in there. Um, <laughs> what? How are you related to the Yart Cell Market? Is it all you? Is it? You know, I created it. I, yeah, okay. the creator. So it is definitely all her. Well, all I don't think so. no, yeah. I I've mean, seen, mean I... I've seen some stuff on social media. <laughs> I don't think it's just her. Um, <laughs> I think there's probably some other folks that contribute at times. <laughs> I try. I try to invite people to come. You know, I can't just do it myself. But no, I'm I'm the creator of it. For um, that's I, I made it up and it's at my house and I'm yeah. That's kind of how it happened. Excellent. So let's take a step back. We'll get into how this all came about. The first question is, what's your birthday? Well, just the month and the date. Okay. Not anything else? 
I mean, you can I'm... say the year if you want. It's just some people are not. We'll end up aging that. you through conversation anyway. So I Ooh, now, I'm, now I'm curious to see how you're going <laughs> to age me. So I'm just only going to tell you the month and date. So um, November 11th, 11-11, that is me. Me too. <gasps> oh. That's I'm 11-11 too. I have not so you're met a Valentine's another 11-11. baby. Yep. You're so a Valentine's baby. baby. That's good to know. It makes yeah. me think differently of my parents now. So Bree's a test tube baby, so she wasn't really a Valentine's a test baby. Tube baby. I mean <laughs> I'm a it was, in, yeah. in utero. It was very in clinical. Insemination they baby. had a little like syringe filled with someone else's semen. They shoved in the hoo-ha and squirted it up there. It's a turkey baster baby. I mean, that's how they did it originally. It does work. It's uh, true. So have you ever asked your parents about that? Um, you know, I have not. They're very conservative. So it would. I'm sure I would not get the answer that I would want from it. So uh, I just want to be like, do it. Yeah, from now on and val- on Valentine's Day here in a couple weeks. I just want you to think about that. Your dad must have given your mom a nice present. Just ask, just <laughs> ask <am>. mom. So, <laughs> was it? Uh, they didn't have probably edible, you know, edible bouquets like the what are they called? Edible creations or something? Eat a, eat a, yeah, um, the fruit. Yeah, like the, the fruit. The, the yeah, like I don't think they had those back then. So it was like a nice box of chocolates. You take you out to dinner first. Like, <laughs> What'd you guys do what for do Valentine's do? Day that what year? I'm um, I'm so were you born here? I was not. I was born I was born down there in Texas. I'm a Texan. That's where my grandpa was born. Are we we're, like we're my sisters? Like, <laughs> I thought we were. I that thought you, you know like, I was I know what Eskimo brothers are. What does this make you like? A- or my grandpa was born in the same place that she was born in, and we have the same birthday. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I was born in Lubbock, so not too far from Lubbock. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically my grandpa wasn't in El Paso. He was in Marfa, but same. My They all lived in El Paso for a long, long time. So how long were you in Texas for? Well, my dad, he was in the army, so we, we were stationed every two years. Um, gotcha. So, ah, until yeah, I was two. My yeah. grandpa was in the army. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop it. Now we're going to have to figure out things that were not in common with us. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like an Eskimo brother, but grandpa. It is nothing Eskimos. like that, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. And I'm not making that the show title. Do not try and have that happen. <laughs> so... So every two years, so what bases were you on? Um, I'm going to just tell you the places because that's probably going to be best that I know. Um, we lived in Chicago, um, Missouri. Um, we always kept coming back to Utah. That was like we would leave and then come back and leave and come back. Um, gosh, now now, now that you're putting me on the spot, I don't remember. Um, so Biloxi, did you stay there? Were we on that base? I don't think I was on that base, no. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't stay. He wasn't on there for too long. It was more. Um, you guys didn't live on base. He just you just lived in the vicinity. No, we lived on the base, but like I was young. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I was like, was I lived so, in a state. I don't know. When did he? Uh, when did he stop being in the army? Um. So it would have been like I, I, I probably first grade, second grade is when. Um, he stopped where we stopped moving, and then like he finished out his thing. Um. He ended up having like um, a medical discharge um, and then started nursing school um, and then kind of went through there and, and did that kind of stuff. But he ended up being a, like he's a, a mortician. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah. And so then he did like nursing, like he did a mortician first, then nursing. And so he always likes to tell people like, I can birth you because he, he, he worked with the baby. So he's like, I'll birth you and then I'll kill you and put you, to, you know, <laughs> in the grave. I'm like, cool. That's messed that's up. great dad. <laughs> so wonderful. Did you ever say, well, you're not good enough at being a nurse. That's why you're a mortician. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so when did when did you kind of like where did you go to high school and stuff? Was that all here in Utah? That, yep, all here in Utah. I was I um in Ogden. It's mostly where we kind of stayed put and, and that kind of stuff. So I I went to high school at Ogden High. I was a tiger. Um, yeah. So I ended up being here um, on there. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And so when did uh, what did you do after high school? After, uh, you know, living large with the tigers. <laughs> oh my God, living large. Um, I was like, I got married young because that's what you do in Utah. Like, that's what I was told to do. I thought right? for sure being from Ogden, you'd buck that trend. <laughs> no, I apparently not. No. So I got married super young. Um, and then, you know, I w- had a kid like right after, like we were not even married that long and got pregnant and, um, and so I was kind of like a halfway stay at home mom and I had like odd jobs here and there um, around different places. And so I never really had like a solid career. I didn't really do that kind of stuff. I went to, back to school for um, medical assisting and stuff. And, and that was stupid. Like that was a waste of money. I learned my <laughs> lesson very quickly um, that that was not for me. Um, and so then I kind of just like worked my way up through different jobs. Like I would start like at the bottom. I spent a lot of years working at Sears and as a, and I ended up being, um, becoming the HR manager over there for a while. And, um, so I worked from like a little cashier and worked my way all the way up through the cells, all the way up to that thing and worked my way to management. And so I stayed there for a while, um, and did that. And then I kind of just, you know, I, I'm just like a person that's like a free spirit. It's like, this is good enough. I'm ready to go find something else and go try something new. Um, so then I worked and then I, after Sears, I started working for um, the Ogden City School District. I was a site technician, computer teacher over there um, and worked there for a while until they fired me. So that was great. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've done a lot of stuff. I've done, I've done a lot of like, yeah, just like I bounced around. I mean, I was a telemarketer. I would, I, nothing ever fit for what I wanted to do. It was never, it was never something that like, I was not a person that was like, I'm a career driven person. I'm going to sit here and do a nine to five. Cause I, I really have a hard time with like authority and people telling me to do stupid shit. And I'm like, you're, you're no, no, thank you. So I'm the, guessing your, your, your true love then must lie somewhere in the art space. Oh Yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to know really quick, did you have any more than the one kid or did you have more kids? No, I have yeah, I have three kids all together. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're like my first one, um, he's he's fourteen and then um I then the next one I have is nine and then my last one is train seven tomorrow. So wow. super exciting. Yeah. It's a big day. Seven years old. I don't remember what happened when I oh no, I do. <laughs> So, so that'll put you in the 34 to 36 I was range. just going to say, it puts her just aged yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're starting to age yourself. You guys, yeah, 37. That's where I'm at. So what happens. You start talking. Things come out. People know. You did a good job. I thought we would get a lot further. I'm... Should have held more it's things. It's not in. hard once you start being like my kids are these ages. We can't their- be we can't be twins anymore though because you're ten, you're exactly ten years younger than I am. <laughs> to the date, but at least we're exactly ten years. Yeah, difference. Ten no. years, man. I'm right in between you two, sorta. <laughs> sorta. 
Yes, I married someone younger. Yeah, she's a cradle robber. <laughs> not really. She's not a cradle. What were we watching the other day? We were watching something, and I'm like, that's a cradle robber because the like the like wife was as young as the daughter. So I was like, that's a cradle robber. Yeah. That's- I mean, if you push it, Chris could like be a very young parent, but he'd be like 15. Well, I mean, my best friend in high school had a baby that's exactly the same age as Cassie. Like, so it's not it's possible. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, when you're talking possible. about 14 year olds and seven year olds, my oldest daughter just turned 29 or 25 this last weekend. <laughs> she did not Sorry, turn not 20, 29. 25 on the 29th <laughs> is what I was thinking. Uh, so yeah, she's, that's my oldest daughter's 25. So what, uh, you, you did all these different things. I was going to make a comment for people that don't know if you live in Utah, when you're out of high school, you actually have a 50, 50 chance of being a telemarketer in some respect. So, yes. um, you know, that is 50, 50, a, you get married 50, 50 or telemarketer and that overlaps. Sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. There's some big overlap there. If you're not one, well, the I really other. lived into the Utah culture then. I was really sucked into that crap. Um, yeah, I mean, people just lean right into the telemarketing. It's a, it's a, it's a fun job. I did it for one month when I was in high school. And you learned never, never telemarketing. Did I ever tell the story about Dial America? So when I got here, I needed a job. So I went to work for a company called Dial America. I don't even know if they're still around. Um, and this was a long time ago. It was doing outbound magazine sales for <laughs> Mothers Against Drunk Driving was the account I was on. So we would call people up and we would try to sell them magazines to help support Mothers Against Drunk Driving. It was great in terms of the reactions that I got from people. Like people were like, hold on. And a guy would like crack a beer into the phone. Um so that job was miserable. It sucked. It was outbound cold sales for something. Yeah. And after, I don't know, I was probably there a month and a half and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is just soul crushing work. Like, even if it's only a few hours a day. So I just stopped going mm-hmm. and two or three weeks passed and I decided I should go back. So I just went back, worked a couple shifts. No one said a word. <laughs> I was allowed to just sit down and work some shifts. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, picked up a check. At that point, they would have assumed you just quit. Then like two or three weeks later, I come back in with my buddy who is like doing something. And this lady's like, did you used to work here or something? I'm like, well, I might still. (laughs) Wow. It's because they they have thousands of people and they like don't care. Yeah, they just don't care. It's not... You know, it's just out cold outbound sales. Like that's a rough job. I did it for a month selling MCI friends and family. Oh geez, that's old. That was depressing. You just dated yourself. Well, we all know I'm old. There's no the oldest one in this room. <laughs> yeah, well, I lasted a month and same thing. Soul crushing. How long did you uh last, Audrey, with your telemarketing? Um, I, I you know, I stuck it out. I well, because when I started to be a telemarketer, it was um I moved out like at 17 and a half, you know what I mean? So I was like the only job that I knew I could get that would be full time at that time was that. And so I, I had to last because I was like, Oh shit, I have to pay like bills and stuff now. Um, so I was, I was there probably for a good year and a half, but how I left was not very, uh, not, not a good way because it was like when they had like a corporate or somebody coming in and they're like, we're going to all, everybody has to like be on it and be on your cells and be on the floor. Right. When like, that's the only time that anybody cared. Um, <laughs> and then they, they told us, okay, nobody can take a lunch. And I was like, 
what? You can't tell me I can't take a lunch. You know what I mean? I need a lunch. I can't be here. I need to leave this place for an hour and then come back. <laughs> um, and so they they were like, no, you can't do it. So I was like, fuck this. And so I just, I was like, I'm getting a lunch. And I never came back after that because they I was mad that they didn't um, give me a lunch. And so then I was like, oh shit, now I have to find like a regular uh, job. Young, young, impressionable people that don't realize that is actually illegal for them not to offer you a lunch. Yes. And- in telemarketing yes. terms, if you lasted a year and a half, that's like sixty years at any other. I know that is a long time. You're senior. So at that's that like point. the gold watch retirement. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they start. They start their aggressive like additional vacation time like at mm-hmm. year two because they know they'll never give it out. That's true. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it was. It was an interesting job. I learned a lot from that, and I will not ever go back to that. Um, so you're no, you're a bit of an artist. Um, when did that s- sort of start for you where you started doing art and putting stuff out there in the world other than just doing it for yourself? Sure. Um, it was a, uh, after I had my last um, little kid, my, my daughter, um, I was dealing with like a, a bunch of postpartum depression. And I was like, I had like, like, I mean, if you have ever, like, you, you get married and you kind of, like, lose yourself and then you're like, oh, I'm like, I have all of these responsibilities. I have to do those types of things. Um, and especially if you were, like, raised in, um, you know, the LDS religion as a woman, you're like, you're you're supposed to be a certain way. Um, and even though I left the religion, like, I would, like, at 12, I never really did. And same with my husband. He's an atheist. And it was never, like, we never got married in the temple. We never did any of that kind of stuff. But just that guilt and that shame and those there's all of that stuff that you are brought up into. Um, it was just this big, huge expectation. Like we like lived together. We did all of that kind of stuff before, but then like when we got married and we signed the paper, it was like all of a sudden, like my mind was like, Oh shit. Now, like I have to be like this wife. I have to be this person that lives up to these expectations. The mother's um, role is in the house is in the home, all that junk. Yeah all that junk. And it was just, um, and I took it to heart and I didn't realize that I was doing it. Um, and I put myself in, th- in that position. And, um, and so then I, you know, I had the kids and I did the stuff. And so like, I was, I was just completely, um, alone in that space because even like me going and meet and meeting other mothers or play dates or things like that, they were super religious. And, um, uh, because they were all had kids young. Right. And I'm like the same person, but I'm like, that is just not who I was. And, and so I was just completely, alone in this position. And I was like, I I have to find a way out of this. I don't know how to get out of this depression. I don't, I didn't realize that I was really in it, but I knew that I needed to find some outlet. And and so the only thing that I could remember um, was like, well, what did I like when I was younger, like what, what made me feel alive? What made me feel like I could breathe? And that was art. And so I was like, okay, well, like, let me figure that out again. And so then I started to like reintroduce myself into um, becoming this artist. And I started to make a variety of different things. And, um, and then I started to share that online. And I was very vulnerable about like the experiences that I was mm-hmm. having and just all of that kind of stuff. And when you do that, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, you have like this whole world of people that are just out there to where you can have that relationship with somebody else that gets it that isn't just in that like little bubble that you have been placed into in the culture that you don't belong in and and so it was just it opened my 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 world and I I was able to just kind of like finally get out of of what I was doing and that just kind of blew the the door open for me so what kind of art were you doing at the time and what kind of art are you doing now 
Sure. So at the time, <laughs> um, I I had to have a, an excuse of what I could do, right? Like, I can't take time away from my kids. Like in my mind, I was like, I can't take time away from my kids. And so I'm going to make something for them. Um, and so that was my excuse. And so I, for me to actually take care of myself. Um, and so I started make cloth dolls because I was like, oh, I'll connect with my daughter because I had no connection with her because of the postpartum. I'm like, I'll make her something. Um, and maybe hopefully she'll, you know, her and I will be able to get this bond. And so, um, I started making cloth dolls and, and then that led into like me making cloth dolls that like look like people. And then that led into me like making cloth doll classes where I taught other people how to make cloth dolls. Um, and so that's kind of where I started and like not doing that at all anymore. Um, I do, um, what I call watercolor embroidery. And so I started to take all of my sketches, um, that I created and I would, um, sketch it on fabric and I would start to embroider it. Um, and then I threw watercolor all over it. So that's kind of what I'm really known for right now is just that. Um, and, you know, I mean, as an artist, you just explore, you just expand all sorts of different things. And there's so many different mediums and stuff out there um, that like, I'm just putting myself in like, well, what feels cool? Like, what could I try? And so that's kind of where I'm at um, with my own creativity at this point. Most artists that I know and that we've had on the show, that's kind of how it happens. You evolve. You you start somewhere, you explore yeah. it. It leads to other yeah. things. You explore that, and it, it just grows. It evolves over time and changes, which is kind of what art is. It's it's an expression yeah. of yourself. So, yeah. are you not making any cloth dolls anymore? Because I'm seeing some of these, and they're kind of creepy. Some of them are really cute and some of them are really quite creepy. No, they're, yeah. I mean, they were a little weird. I mean, I made an it doll. I had like a customer order and made an it doll and that was pretty cool. Um, But no, I'm not making those. And that takes time. And like, I like got burnt out with that because that's, um, it was just, it takes so much time and energy to trying to figure it out. And I didn't have patterns for things and I just like made it up. And um, so, no, I don't, I don't do that at all. I was like, I need something that's simple and easier that I can like manage and do like wherever I could go. And I don't have to like sit at my sewing machine for hours. Well, the Um, watercolor like embroidery stuff is really cool. Actually. It's a really cool medium. I think it's, it's a unique medium as well. I don't think it's something that, you know, I've seen maybe even any other place at all. No, there's not a lot of people that do it. And it it happened by accident. It was really because I was lazy and I didn't want to have to like embroider the whole thing. Like, could you imagine? Like, I don't want to have to, the people that want to talk about like craziness between like the the dolls to that. That's a big jump in in amount of work. Yeah. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's why I was like, I enjoyed that so much because it was like, you get burnt out after a while. And I was like, I just need something that's simple that I could still express myself. Um, And I had to learn how to embroider. Like I had to teach myself because I had to embroider the doll's faces. Um, And so that's how I learned to embroider. And I was like, oh my God, if I could like do their face, I could just create a pieces of art that I normally do. Like I could just, you know, instead of drawing I could just stitch it and see what that would look like and then I did that and I was like oh my god I'm gonna have to fill that whole thing in with thread like oh my god I don't want to do that <laughs> you know that was ridiculous and I was like what other way that I could do and like the first embroidery piece that I did was like uh um, my husband halfway underwater and I was like okay well what could I make water out of um that's not thread um and I was like I'm just gonna throw some paint on it and then like I fell in love with the process of like the paint and the fabric and absorbing it and it just kind of you didn't have any control over it. And 
And I was like, that's what I'm doing for a while, for a long time, because it was, that was just the thing that was so um, cool because the embroidery would take so long. Even just the simple ones that I did would just be a lot of energy and stitching and and hours of work that you would do there. But like the watercolor would take like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. And like, I had this possibility of ruining all this big, huge work that I did. And that, that felt really crazy to me. Um, And I was like, I like that. Let's go destroy things. And that felt really cool. A cat join us on the podcast table. It's <laughs> distracting. Be, be my cat Boone. <clears throat> that's, oh, the, okay. that's the friendly cat that comes out and says hi to everyone and tries to play with things on the hey, table. Stop playing with oh, the headset. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I really, like I said, I really like the medium. I, I think it's actually a really cool um, combination, and, and the way the fabric does work with the colors is is quite impressive. How how I mean, how do you decide what to put on them? Is, is really kind of my next question because it's kind of all over the sure. place. What is there and what's the inspiration behind that stuff? Sure. Um, I'm really like um, a person that likes to have to give other opportunities for people to be seen. Um, and so like, I'm really like focused on like, you know, body positivity and that kind of stuff and it and expressing like how women really look. And, um, and so that was really fascinating to me because I didn't see artwork that looked like me. Like I'm a plus size big bitch and and to have like <laughs> me not ever being seen anywhere um and any type of artwork was very disheartening for me and I was like well how and I was like in the process of like learning to discover to love myself right and to love all of my everything about me and so I was like how could I do that? And I, so I started to draw bodies that were bigger and that had, you know, the dimples or the wrinkles or the hair and all of that kind of stuff. And so it kind of led into that where that was kind of like the main focus for me. Cause I was just like, I, I needed to be able to see myself. Um, and so that's kind of like how that, those pieces of artwork came about was just like ex- allowing myself to be expressive and, and how I could do those things. And, and then people really responded really well to that. I would, um, when I would be at markets and things and I would have all of my hoops and, and different things up and, um, to sell, I would have a lot of women, um, or, you know, people that identified that way where they would come in and they would look at that kind of stuff and they would say, Oh my gosh, like I've never seen my body, um, so beautiful before. Um, and and so that was really inspiring to me just to continue to do it in that realm. And so it's just mostly of like, well, where do I feel insecure and how can I um, look at that in a way that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a wrong version or the societal standards, standards of beauty. And so I, I try to like mm-hmm. um, put that on the head and, and change people's perspectives. So how did you go from selling your stuff at markets and things like that to creating the yard sale? Well, I don't know if you heard this thing called like COVID. Um, <laughs> that happened. Um, oh, what's that? <laughs> well, we don't <laughs> live in Florida, so it definitely <laughs> happened here. <laughs> Exactly. No. So it was, it was there. Like, um, most of my friends, um, and artists and and different things, the majority of the money that they get, um, that they bring in is through markets. Um, and so when 2020 happened, um, the only loophole that the majority of markets could have is that, oh, if it's a food thing, then we could, we could have food vendors, but we couldn't have artisans. Um, that was kind of like the red tape thing. And so, um, the rug got pulled out from uh, so many people that I knew that they relied on this income for them to be able to even survive. Like, I mean, um, even if they had a regular job, it was still this, you know, this thing that they looked forward to and having this extra check that would come in. 
and people would just have it all the time. And so I was like, well, what could I do for that? You know what I mean? Like, how could I be able to, to support my friends who, who need this, who need to, to do this? And because they didn't have websites, they, they weren't prepared for this huge big thing to happen where they would have to figure out how they're, they're going to sell their art when they're so used to doing it in person. And, and um, I just purchased a home right before the pandemic happened where we had, I have like a half an acre. Um, and I was like, okay, well I have enough space to bring people here. And so I was like, and I just asked my friends, I'm like, well, what would it be like if I just like, we did, you know, we just put our art out in the front, in my front yard and we could kind of have it like a yard sale and we could see what that would be like. And then my friends are like, Oh my gosh, we could make it a yard sale. I'm like, yes, we could. <laughs> um, so now we have fun. a name. So, <laughs> now we have a name. It was really cool. And so like, I, I had 10 of my friends, that signed up and did that for me uh, with me. And like, I organized it and then I had them invite their friends. And so I ended up having like about 25 vendors at the time um, come through. And like, I had to be like legit serious, right? I had to call the health department. I had to have all of these other different things. Cause I, I wanted to make sure that it was safe and, and the best way that we could. And, and I spread them out six feet by all of this kind of stuff. And I had to have people sign in. I, I, so I, all of a sudden I was like becoming this event coordinator that I had no idea that I had the skills to even do. Um, but <laughs> It was so fun and fascinating and, and great. Um, and then the event came and I had like over, you know, 200 people that showed up um, that came and I know it blew my freaking mind. I was like, oh my gosh, it was crazy. And so when, um, when was this? Like how, how deep into COVID times? It was September, 2020. Okay. So yeah. this was still pretty, pretty early. Like yeah. lockdowns had happened. We killed mm-hmm. like hundreds of, if not thousands of businesses by mm-hmm. making it so people couldn't go there. Um, right. And really put artists in the poorhouse and, you know, mm-hmm. killed gig workers. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. right in the heart of us just screwing the economy, but no one really exactly. knew that we were screwing no. the economy so badly no, yet. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But that's awesome. That's really good. I mean, that, that feels about right too for like people want to go <clears throat> do something like yeah. by September, like they'd done all the cool shit on their own outdoors in the right. summer uh, unless they lived in New York and like they couldn't walk next to each other with right. masks, fucking right. weird people. But <laughs> <laughs> Bree wants me to to move on. I want it. you to move on from the side commentary. I'm 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 not a fan of what we did with COVID. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> hey, I feel you. I, I there, we could go on a whole round about it. I'm I'm with you on that for sure. So yeah, but so, it was. It's really successful. The first one you have, how do you decide that you're going to make this a regular occurrence? Um, my friends, they're like, they reached out to me and was like, Hey, are we going to do this again? Like it was so much fun. I had such a good time. And I was like, could I do that again? What would that look like for me? Um, you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, I guess we could do it again, but I'm like, but I would want, I, I would want new people. Right. And then it got to the point, like, I don't know if you've ever done markets before, but the majority of markets that, exist in Utah anyway, they are very unorganized and they drive me freaking nuts about how they do any of the type of stuff. And they never, and they're never focused on like the, the artist at all. It's more of just like, how much money can we make and how much money can we get them to spend? Um, and so it was like, now I was like in this position that it's like, okay, 
I'll do this again, but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in a way that I wish that I was treated um, when I was a vendor um, and how I would I would expect people to show up and that kind of stuff. And I want it to be very like artist focused. And I, I didn't want people to be censored. I want that. I wanted them to bring whatever kind of art that they could. And I'm like, like who's going to tell me? No, it's at my freaking house. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's in your, it's in your yard. Well, <laughs> it's when you go yeah. to those. It's when you go to the the vending thing and there's the window guy and yeah. the insurance salesman. It's like, yeah, they got to make yeah. a living too, but this is not their not thing, but you see them at all of these. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't go to Fanex to buy windows. Yeah. Are you sure? I don't know. Or a hot tub. Yeah. Or a hot tub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or car insurance. Exactly. <laughs> I call exactly. those garbage the, vendors. Join the military. Yes. Or how about the, you know, one of the vendors that has all the exact same stuff as the vendor three, three rows down, the, but yes. it's all handmade. But the handmade jewelry right. from China. Yeah, yeah. The fashion jewelry. Yeah. Hey, it was uh, made by someone's hands. Mary Kay you know, I'm and sure the... some kid worked really hard making it in China. That eight year old made a dollar that day. I mean, yeah. Kidding. He made a dollar for no. the week. Exactly. Yeah, no, that stuff drove, drove me nuts. And I, it would be so, and, and the vendor fees to get into those places were crazy expensive. Um, and, to, and it's where like, it's always like, well, I, I, so I did these events completely for free and it was just like donation based where people would, cause I got, I had to get a porta potty because I was like, I learned from the first one that I didn't want people in my house. Um, right. So, so I, I, I started your medicine can 200 people no, going into my house to go to the bathroom. That's, That's brutal. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if, if people were respectful, maybe, but yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> Yeah. Have you met them? It's good. It's kind of, it was kind of interesting. Um, and so I, I run all of, like, I ran all of these markets, um, for free and I, and I did it like donation based. And then I started like to sponsor like artists that never have been into events. And like, I started to teach them like, okay, well, this is how you set up a, a booth and this is what's needed. And these are the things that are, are required and all of that kind of stuff. And, and it started to become this very like learning atmosphere, community atmosphere where it just kind of like blew up by itself just because it was like word of mouth and people were allowing each other to like just really be together. And what I found to be so interesting for me was that I had like the artisans that were like, um, you know, had very like nudie patootie type of art. And then I would have like, you know, the, some of the more conservative artists. And I was like, okay, cool. You're going to come. I'm going to put you next to each other and you're going to talk to each other. <laughs> and you're going to learn about these things. Um, Dude that's and so, like, doing artwork of like temples next to your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did it. I did it and it was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. And then they became friends and they were fine. I had, a, right? I had a spot at the Southtown Mall where I had my witchy poo stuff right next to the Jesus uh, art. And it made me so happy. <laughs> I did. I bet. For sure. I love For to sure. see the temple. Here's your black salt and your other witchcraft stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So how, how often do you do these now? So um, I do them three times a year. So like spring, summer and fall, but summer was brutal. It was like, we died last summer. It was just, Oh my God. It was so the heat hot. Just, it was yeah. such a hot summer. It was just so hot that I was like, so I don't think I'm going to do it in the summer anymore just because it was, it was just too intense to be outside. Like 
it was just too hot. So, but, so I'm, I'm, I'm like always learning and growing with it and trying to figure out different things with it. Um, and, and seeing what the best thing is, but, um, the past years I've always, I did it like spring, summer and fall. And now I'm trying to like, what's the best way to, to do this. That's going to be beneficial to everybody and how can I do it? And, and so that's kind of where I'm at with it right now, but I, I love it so much. And it's been just such a, a huge portion to where like it's just brought in so many different types of people into the community that we have um and i I think it's really cool i think it's really rad (laughs) we're all we're all just agreeing this is awesome so so what kind of vendors do you have i'm sure you have a process of reviewing their stuff obviously you're not just going to let anybody come but if somebody wants to be a vendor kind of what's the process and how do you choose who gets to be a a part of your yeah um well so i got in trouble with the city um last year um and so because they found out about it um and because (laughs) i had i had way too many cars that would come like i would have you know maybe three to four hundred sometimes six hundred people gotta get a permit yeah, exactly. And they're like, um, well, and, I, and I'm in South Ogden, so it's different than Ogden. And South Ogden doesn't have any bylaws um, that states anything because me and my husband, we like looked that up and we did, we made sure um, that we were not going to get in trouble. Um, but they, they came to our home and tried to like shut us down. And I had to like pull up. I'm like, look at your laws. There's nothing in here that states that I can't do that. There are now. <laughs> But not yet because they have to get voted on, right? And so they're like in this little like um, position right now where they can't really say that I can't do things. And they're um, – so they're – like I started to go and work with them. I'm like, okay, well, these is – like this is how you could kind of have bylaws that would be best for you and how you know, this kind of is. That's how most laws get made. Yeah. Right. Truthfully, that's how most laws end up coming around is something like this happens and they're like, oh, we don't like this. Yeah. Uh, we need to figure out how to make a law to stop it. Or, yeah. you know, someone steps up to the plate like you and says, hey, let's let's work together and make sure that this is this is safe and accommodating because it's good for the community. Yeah. So that's awesome exactly. to hear that. And it's really great. And I, and, and working with South Ogden has been really fantastic. They're really open to different things. Um, cause I was like very like, it's, it's really important for me that like a lot of marginalized communities, especially the queer community get seen, um, because they don't get to be in these events a lot, um, because it, we're in Utah, right? And they're like, oh, um, your stuff is not oh, allowed yeah. here. The number of times I've been rejected from so many events because I don't fit their vibe and their values, but they mm-hmm. still email me every other month. You should join our thing, pay money to apply to our stuff. And I'm like, no, you already yeah. told me you don't like me. Exactly. And so like when I went into the city, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do these events, I want to make sure that these people still can be allowed and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so they're, they've been really good about accommodating and working with me on, on that kind of stuff and figuring out ways that we could do that. But because of that, um, I could no longer be a free event. Um, which was thank you. Um, and so I, I've kind of made it where it's, I, it's as cheap as I can possibly do, um, because I have to have like tax forms now and I have to, um, you know, report to the city about different type of that kind of stuff. And so, um, because of that, there's like a lot of different things that went into it, but also like if we took that apart, this event has just kind of blown up like out of the blue. Um, and so I've had to put people on, like, I have like a wait list. I'm like, I, 
I would love for you to apply and, and be a part of it, but it's just a matter of like, I need you to be on a wait list and there's a certain a manner that we do it. And like, so I have certain times that things are open for people to put their information in to say that they would like to be a part of this event. And then I have me and my friend, Adam, who he works um, with the Ogden Arts Festival. He's on the board over there. Um, and he and I will just sit down and we'll like review everybody's um applications like they submit pictures and they submit different things and and what we're looking for is people that um, are um, experienced um, vendors who have done this before but then we're also looking for people that's never been in there um, and we try to put both of those people in there so that they can be together and they can communicate and they can work with each other on that um, there and so and then it's like I can't have like 10 jewelry people and I can't have you know right. 50 of these other people and so I try to be like on this lottery type of system where it's like okay these people have been here before or if they come back again that's because they're an experienced vendor but during the time when they were here they actually like took another vendor under their wing and and um, made sure that they were taken care of and and that I know that they're going to to make sure that this event is very run very smoothly and that we're all going to just be like this big huge community thing and so we'll spend hours just like looking over all of these different applications and just making sure these are the right people that's going to be because you have to have like a certain vibe like you can't have things come in there where it's like off you know what i mean like it's so it's just i want people to be able to have a really good experience and i and like I, I'm like, they all have to be like handmade items or they have to be able at least sourced from a handmade place. That's not, you know, from China, um, all of that other kind of stuff. But so it's just really, it's like a tedious for Indonesia is fine though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll think. <laughs> so how often does your event run? Is it one day, two day, three day when you have it? So it's one day, um, and uh, it's usually about five to six hours um, on there. Um, and so I, it's usually in the, in the afternoon dip- and going towards the evening. So then it, because I, the last one that I did in October, we had a hundred vendors. That's wow, how many vendors crap. I had. Is it yeah. in your backyard? Still in your yard. And it's still in my yard. Yeah. Yeah, me, like me and my husband, we measure that shit to like a T and we're like, everybody can only sit here. Um, but no, and we try to make it where people can still walk through. But so it's like my front yard's completely full. Um, and then my backyard, we can get a good amount of people in there. Um, but then we also acquired the property, like our neighbor moved. And so we kind of, we acquired his property at the same time. And so I put more people over in that sense too. Oh, so it nice. just kind of grew um, on there and I have food trucks that come and I have food vendors that are out there and it's like it's it's like your normal big major event that you would see anywhere else it's just in my neighborhood yeah no, um, no wonder the city found out about it just <laughs> I know they were not they, they were not happy about the parking and the people that, that was about, the thing how do your neighbors feel about it well <laughs> they're good sure I mean it's only um, a couple days out of the year so that's what I say no like the main neighbors that have been with me I mean we've done this for a few years now you know what I mean so they've they've seen it grow and they've and they come and they visit and they buy things from you know these vendors and they're so like I have really good main neighbors that are, are like super like on my side about that um but then there's a few that are still like, you know, of course, like, don't park near my thing. And I'm like, ah. um, so, you know, they don't want people parking in front of their house, even though it's not their, you know, whatever. Um, and so I that's try right, to accommodate that. I got to be, I got to be with your neighbors. It well, pisses me okay. off when people park in Does front it? of my house. It's really okay. mostly because people park so poorly in front of the house. They like True. park so that nobody can park in front of or behind True. them because of like spacing. 
Or, and I, it just bugs me when someone parks in front of the house and then walks to a different house that has parking available in front of it. Like That's true. In front I, of their house. <laughs> I feel you. Like I totally get it. And it's it's and I wish that there was like parking where I could do it. And and because I try to get all of the vendors to park in a church parking lot. Um and like I have a shuttle, like my mother in law shuttles the vendors to um <laughs> That's to the wow. events. Yeah. And so the worst it's just thing so is the, lugging all your stuff. You should probably oh, advertise that. Shh. Went to my nephew's wedding, and they did that. They had everybody park at the church close to it, and they had the yeah. little golf cart, and they were like, "That's a good idea." Driving that worked. is a really good idea. It, it works. It, it does. So I, I mean, I try to knock out as much as that I can, um, and then like the the neighbors that were upset about it, like, well, I'll put cones in front of their yards, and so I try to work with them and talk with them, um, and I go when I round and I, and I say, "Hey, guess what? It's going to happen again." Huh? Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, you know, I'm probably the annoying, but this is how I first showed up. Like I, if you remember, I moved in like, mm-hmm. right. Like it was like, um, oh, yeah, cause October, it was brand, the, brand new. <laughs> yeah. And then the pandemic came back. And so nobody saw anybody. And then the first introduction that they had of me was like, oh, I'm going to take over the whole neighborhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know we've been doing the COVID thing for six months, but I just invited 300 of my closest friends <laughs> to hang out in my yard for a day <laughs> and park in front yeah. of your house. And, so what I, your neighbors I'm, should I'm really do not. is they should take a page out of like the RSL like neighborhood book. Like there's a lot of houses in the like around the RSL stadium on game nights. They just fucking yeah. park people on their their lawn for ten or fifteen bucks. People pay it. They just like park ten, twelve cars. It's a hundred bucks a night. And all you gotta do is let someone park in your lawn. Like who cares? That's true. That's true. And, and they're not coming me? and going. I don't want people to park on our lawn. They're not coming. I don't give a shit about the front yard. They can park there. Uh, <laughs> and they're not coming and going. I mean, 10 bucks a car. Yeah, why not? If you get even like five, 10 bucks a car and they're coming and going. It's not like you were going to use that space anyway. People aren't right. there for the full four it's hours or six hours. No, no, they come for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. They leave. Now you got another spot open. You can park another car there. I'll put that on the list of like the th- like the little pamphlet that I'll give to my neighbors. This is yeah. the things that you could do. You could they charge money. They all two hundred dollars a spot. They all move their cars to the part to the church parking so that their driveways are open. <laughs> hey, but that would be cool. That's a good way for them to make some money, man. I'm just saying they can just lean into it instead of fight it. I'm just trying to get the city to like, let me block down the street and we have like a whole block party, you know what I mean? And then they would have to be there to like monitor the traffic and everything else. That's like, that's what I'm really trying to do with them, but we'll see if that happens. There's not enough block parties that happen here. That was something that happened. We could block off our street easily. Yeah. I I don't know. There's a lot of block parties that happen in Utah where they like close off the blocks and actually have the whole street. party. I mean, for people that want to be around community and family all the time, they sure like to separate themselves. Which is really interesting because Utah is that way. And I remember like, you know, my dad growing up, my dad lived in Glendale, Arizona, and they had block parties on his street yeah. like once or twice a year. They would literally I block don't think off that's the a street. Thing in Utah. Not really. And the no, whole street not. would get together and just drink and party. That's because there's that's, no drinking in Utah. That's, probably, that's, probably that's true. You they just go to answered the, my question. They go to the, they go to the, the steak devil. center for that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so do you have your event date set for this spring or are yeah. you still working on it? I do. Oh, no, I she's do. got to have it. The There's no way this woman has not set her spring date yet. Oh, I do. I got it. Yeah. But you'll be the. I haven't announced it, but I'll announce it to you. Okay. So it'll be March 20th. Um, not March. Oh my God. May 27th is when I'm going to be doing it this year. 
May 27th. Like I said, there's still going to be snow on the ground in March, I think. This yeah. Year. I can yeah, do it. March. Can I come? May 22nd. Oh, of course you can come. I'm free that but day May for 27th. once. There Seven. you go. Well, yeah, we're going to do it 11 to 7 this time. She said, of course you can come, but there's a waiting list. So. <laughs> That's true. I'll put myself on the wait list. <laughs> so, yes, right. when it does get closer... Uh, send us a message, Julia, a message, and we'll announce it again on the podcast okay. when it gets a little bit closer. Awesome. Yeah, that That'd way we can remind everyone to go up to South Ogden. So if somebody wants to get on the waiting list or if they want to help or participate in any way, yeah. what's the best way for them to get a hold of you for that? Sure. Um, you could go to my website, Hey Be Fab, like, hey, be fabulous, um, <laughs> dot com is my website. Um, and you'll see a little tab that says the art cell um, and you'll click in there and it will tell you all everything that you need to know about it. Um, and then there's the wait list there um, for you. And I'm always looking for volunteers, too. So like if you can't be there as an artist, um, then it would be awesome if you could be a volunteer because that would be really cool, too. That's fantastic. Okay, we have one more question for you. You've been around the sure. country uh, as an army yes. brat. What uh-huh. is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in all of your time here? I, I always ask people when people are like, oh, I'm going to move to Utah. I'm like, why are you going to move here? That's so weird. <laughs> um, like, you want to live here? Um, and it's such a different culture. Like it's, it's completely separate from the world is what I would see it. Like when I, and I think the reason why I feel like I'm so more open-minded and um, able to kind of look at other perspectives of life is because I lived outside of it so often that I was able to um, be immersed into different types of cultures. And it wasn't something that was there. So that, I mean, that's the negative version of what I was like, Utah is like, "Hmm, very close minded. Um, And so that's kind of the thing. But then when I started to be parts of part of communities where like I, I started to find certain sections of, of, of Utah, of this place, we're very like, we really want to make sure that everybody is taken care of. Like, you know, it's, it's not something that's like where, especially like the art community that's in Ogden. Like if, if you have ever been a part of that community here, it's just, we are so open to making sure that everybody succeeds on whatever level of that success is. And we always try to lift each other up and we share each other's work. And it doesn't matter if we're making the same type of thing or have the same type of business or any of that kind of stuff. We're super supportive in that sense. And so like, I just want to say to like, if there's any of those types of things that are happening with you, that maybe you're not fitting into a certain place. There's so many other places that are maybe are just hidden to you that you might not be able to see. And the only difference is, is you just have to like get out and see what else is out there beyond what you're used to um, and just be open to that kind of stuff. So I really love that, um, that there's so much community aspect beyond just what is just here traditionally. That's a really good answer to that question. I I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way, but it is true because we we talk we've talked to a lot of people about Utah and and a lot of them will say, you know, Utah's, you know, very open to talking to people, to accepting people. And even, you know, I think a lot of that does stem from the Mormon culture because it's a very like community-oriented culture, but it's mm-hmm. very true outside of the Mormon church like Communities that form in this state that have nothing to do with the LDS faith uh, yeah. are very accepting. And, and what you said is very true. I mean, we, we, we've run into that. We talk to distillers and brewers and artists and business owners. And I would venture to say 95% of them, all they want to do is help other people, even yeah. in the same space, because they don't yeah. feel like they're 
they don't feel like they're truly competition. Like, right. you know, the distillers guild, you know, there is some competition there, but also they're not competing against each other. They're really competing right. against the big boys. And there's a, there's a big sense of community there. So. And they're competing, they're competing against the DABC and the government. So yeah. it gives them a sense of camaraderie yeah. and something to work towards. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, what I, I'd never thought about it like that. Yeah, we're just destructors is what I look at it as like, I want to just like disrupt all of this kind of traditional stuff and like see what's beyond there. And I think that there's so many of us that are like ready to step up into that role that it doesn't matter um, who is doing something alongside you as long as we can all just like raise the, you know, the tide together. Like we, we all become successful, um, which is brilliant and beautiful because that's how communities should work is that we should all have a place and each of us have, has a certain skill regardless what we bring to the table we're gonna we're gonna create this am- magical amazing thing and why not do that together when you have can have somebody that's like hey i can do that or i get that too so people can find you on haybefab.com uh mm-hmm. they can find us out at hotdog-water.com <laughs> or theutah.com both of them work just fine <laughs> get you the same spot uh, also, you can find us on social media at TNU Podcast. Julia, to have an inspirational card for us to, to, to end mm-hmm. this session with. So at the end of every episode, we, we do our, our inspirational card. We'll let mm-hmm. Julia read it. There were oracle cards, but we've changed. Holding on to resentments is like taking a shit in your own heart. Yeah, it's that <laughs> gross and painless. Let that shit go. Look up a loving kindness meditation on the internet and do it. Focusing on love is like taking a baby wipe to your heart. Read that. Well, read the first okay. part again. I, That's I kind of one of my favorites. Holding on to resentment is like taking a shit in your own heart. <laughs> so there you go. There's our thought for the day. <laughs> I really like that one. I do I'm too. a big <laughs> fan of that one. Some of these are hit and miss. That's definitely a hit. That's a good one. That's solid. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Audrey. Uh, it's been a yeah. pleasure talking to you. Um, hopefully, yeah. Uh, kids did a good job of being quiet. Did a really good job. Yeah, that one in the cage behind you, though. I mean, I think they deserve like candy and cookies and stuff. (laughs) They're better. We'll give it to them tomorrow when they see Grandma. They'll get the cookies. Yeah, they'll definitely, and then come home to you, crashed out on sugar. I don't like that idea. We'll trick. We'll (laughs) swear. Dang it! It's good. Thanks for having me, though. It's been really. It's been great. It's been so much fun just to be able to um, chat with you guys all. It's been really nice. Thank you for being. Thank you for letting me be here. 